Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, if nothing else, there has been a clear rhythm to the Tennessee Titans 2023 season to this point. A not-so-good performance in New Orleans. A good performance at home against the Chargers. A really, really not-so-good performance in Cleveland. A really, really good performance at home against the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday as the Titans cruise to a 27-3 victory and even their record at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, certainly that performance restored a lot of hope and comfort and faith in what this team can accomplish. But, uh, but given that, uh, that, that rhythm I just mentioned, it does not speak well, I guess, for the fact that this Sunday, the Titans will play on the road in Indianapolis. And it's a notable, notable game because it is the first of the division games. Titans are the only one of the AFC South that hasn't played a division opponent yet. Everybody in the division's two and two. The other three are all one and one in division games. This is the Titans chance now to, uh, to get rolling this week. So we will, uh, we will take stock of all things, Tennessee Titans in this episode of believe in Titans with our usual lineup, John Glennon of the Nashville post, John Glennon, how are you? I'm well. Hope you guys are. Doing great. Former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you, sir? Doing well, David. How you doing? Doing great, thank you. So, uh, John, let's start with you. What, if anything, do you know for certain about this uh, this Titans team, given the uh, the inconsistencies we have seen from week to week to this point? Yeah, not not a whole lot you can uh, certainly pin down uh, at this point after the ups and downs, the sort of the stock market esque performance we have we have seen so far. So uh, perhaps that means they're worth tuning into each week because you know you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, but the way I I sort of look at it, I think, is that you know as you look at these four games, maybe you tend to to eliminate kind of the two extremes. Like I look at Cleveland. And I see a team that that's really, really good defensively, potentially really good overall when when Deshaun Watson is in there and, and playing well. So so maybe you, you throw out that extreme, you say, okay, that was a really, really good defense, especially that was a day for Cleveland. And, and let's discount that maybe. On the other side is this past Sunday, maybe that extreme you tend to eliminate that one a little bit too against Cincinnati, because you sort of say, this is not the same Cincinnati team that, that we have seen in recent years. You know, the, the Bengals have been, you know, one of the better teams, certainly in the AFC, but right now the way Joe Burrow is playing his lack of mobility, you know, lack of being able to throw deep. That's just not the same team uh, as we have seen before. So if we eliminate the two extremes, I think what we're kind of left with is those two games, the other two games that have both been very close, a one point loss, and a three-point win in overtime, which to me says, you know, in in most games, I think this this year, 
the Titans are probably going to be in it with a chance to win it, um, you know, probably in the second half of most of their games. And if they can do some of the things well that we saw against Cincinnati, then they're in good shape. And those things, uh, keeping the X plays under control, huge difference there. Um, offensive line play, which included both, you know, protecting Tannehill and opening holes for the for the running backs, huge there as well. So if, if they can win those battles more often than not, I think, you know, that the Titans are going to be at least in position to win the majority of these games. However, you know, when, when we see some of those extreme type opponents, especially defensive, like we did against Cleveland, yeah, that, that uh, that's cause for a little concern. Denard, you you know how players think after the uh, after the disappointment at Cleveland. Uh, I'm sure everybody thought, okay, let's just flush this. We move on to the next week, and 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 you do that. But but how important then to actually come back with a much better performance, and 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 how much how much confidence, how much belief does that restore in, in a locker room when you when you actually go out and and set out to to reverse what you did the week before. I mean, even to the point that you, you completely flipped the score and, and, you know, after losing 27, three, you win 27, three. Well, David, it's demoralizing in this league because you only get 17 of these games and every game counts. And when you look at the Titans, they've been sporadic this season. I mean, let's just, let's just look at this team right now over the last four weeks when they don't turn the ball over, David, this team is two and O. Yeah. They're two and zero, David. They're tough to beat. We know Pretty what they're going to do. Yeah, they're, it's very simple. They're two and zero when they don't turn the ball over. When they're zero and two, let's go back to the Cleveland game, and this is interesting. And I'm sure Mike Vrabel pointed this out. And he looked at his offense and said, "Guys, listen, we had 94 total yards. We were two for 12 on third downs against Cleveland. We gave up five sacks, and we only scored three points." Go back to the game against New Orleans. We threw three picks and still had a chance to win the game. So it's demoralizing to a team. It's demoralizing to a unit when you realize that the answer is very simple. Don't turn the football over, and it will give you a chance to win in this league. We know defensively that they can line up against any team in the National Football League. The Achilles heel of this team has been the offense. And Sunday, they showed and they stepped out and they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They went back and they found their DNA. They lost it in the last three weeks. If you would have told me, David, in three games that Derrick Henry would have, what was it, coming into uh, this contest Sunday, he had less than 200 yards, 163 yards in three games and three touchdowns. Really? And you think that's going to give you a chance to win? And what happened Sunday, David? They ran the ball. They ran the ball. <laughs> they imposed their will on the Bengals' defense. And you're talking about a defense. Their strong point is their defense. They absolutely demolished Cincinnati defense Sunday. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 and it's funny, and it because early in the game, it it sort of had a bad feel about it, didn't it? You know, the you know the Bengals get the ball to start, they march down the field. It's a long drive. They're they're completing passes, and and you're thinking, oh, you know, here it goes again. And then you get the little victory of holding them to the field goal, and uh, and, and you just kind of you just kind of dig in your heels, and 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 to your point, Denard, the Titans. You know, they, they didn't try to score 
a hundred points in the first quarter, right? They just they they Balance. they did what they do, you know. They 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 turned Derrick Henry loose, and and you know you're, you're seeing. I, I, you know, we've talked about this a bunch too, but you're seeing for the first time since I think Derrick Henry's rookie season, when or may, I guess his second season when he was partnered with uh, with Demarco Murray, what you know what two running backs can can do for this team ever since ever since Henry ascended and and became the king and and has been doing all the things. You know, there's always been that talk of okay. But but who else is there? You know, who else can we get to to help him? And and now you're starting to see some of that with Ty J Spears, where you know, I think I think we had the discussion a week or two ago. There's some sense that, you know, maybe maybe Spears should be getting even more work. I I don't I don't see that at all. And and the fact that uh, that Henry is is historically better late in the season than he is early in the season. Um, you know, his numbers to me through those first three games weren't as surprising maybe as to you, Denard, but, but the fact that you're getting these extra contributions from Spears now only, only adds to the, uh, adds to the running game and, and gives them options to, to maybe do something on days when Derek's not having his best day. And let's face it, at, you know, at his age and with all the carries, he's not going to be dominant every Sunday the way we have seen him from time to time. And, uh, you know, but, but he was certainly, you know, they certainly got to a point Sunday where they can, they can line him up in the, in the wildcat with Jeffrey Simmons at fullback and, and the defense reacts to him in such a massive way that he's got an easy touchdown pass to, to Josh Wiley. And, uh, you, you saw, I mean, there's been, I guess, this criticism of, of Tim Kelly following the losses, but you see still how important Derrick Henry is to this team. And everything is built off the fact that the Titans have to be able to run the ball and force defenses to deal with that first. And if, and if defenses get to that point, then it looks like the, uh, you know the Titans have them at, at, at a disadvantage, and Ryan Tannehill can do more things in the passing game, and uh, and and it looks it looks really good when uh, when that happens. And while we're talking about the running game, moving on, I, I think it, it's important to note this uh, th- this development happened last week after we we recorded the podcast. But uh, Nicholas Petit Frere's suspension was reduced from six games. To four games and he is back on the practice field this week will uh will be able to play sunday against the colts and uh and will be part of the uh the offensive line and and wednesday at practice during the open period that was available to the media uh john glennon he was at left tackle and you know we talked about the possibility of of him maybe stepping in there for uh, Andre Dillard after playing right tackle all last season. Uh, is that what we should expect to see Sunday? You think? Yeah, I, I guess that, you know. To me, the question or one question has to be answered is: Will he be ready by Sunday? Because even though he's he's back, obviously this was his first practice since training camp. So you know. Maybe he's he's ready for Sunday. Uh, maybe not. But uh, um, yeah, in terms of position, you know, the, we we see a small window. You know, at, at practice, the media sees a small window. Um, but in those kind of individual drills, it certainly looked as if uh, Andre Dillard, excuse me, not Andre Dillard, but but uh, Nicholas Petit Frere was, you know, 
taking taking the role of a left tackle and and working over there. Uh, and that certainly represents a big switch. As we know, Nicholas Petit Frere was the starting right tackle for 16 games last week. Uh, but as we also know, Andre Dillard has not been good in pass protection these first four weeks. And we have, as a group here, we've discussed the various options that the Titans might have uh, if they want to replace Andre Dillard. And and to me, this potential one that the Titans are talking about makes the most sense for, for a number of reasons. One, Nicholas Petit Frere was a left tackle in 2021 at Ohio State. Pretty good one, good enough to be drafted in the in the third round. Uh, so it's not that far in his background. You know, he obviously did it on a, on a high level in college, unlike, say, Dylan Radens, played left tackle a few years ago in college, but it was also at a smaller school and a kind of a different type of offensive uh, format as well. So that, that makes sense. And also, if you bring in Petit Frere, uh, at left tackle, you're keeping everybody else intact. Uh, you know, when Skoronsky comes back, he's still the left guard. You've got Brewer center, Brunskill right guard, and Chris Hubbard, who's been kind of a pleasant development at right tackle, guy who was brought in, you know, as sort of a stopgap measure, um, you know, after the suspension. And then all of a sudden he's a starter when Jamarco Jones gets cut. Hubbard has been playing pretty well. You know, he's given up three sacks, but overall – you know, he's been much better than expected, and especially in the in the run game. So I think they're comfortable keeping Chris Hubbard there at right tackle. And if you want to have your best five guys on the offensive line, you know, th that would seem to make a lot of sense to have Nicholas petit Frere there uh, at the left tackle. So to me, the only question is, is NPF ready? And then Mike Frabel talked a little bit today that he is probably more ready than Skaronsky to go right into the lineup right now. Uh, just because Nicholas Petit Frere had last week, but at least be in the facility to condition, uh, you know, strengthen himself and so forth. Where Skronsky is still coming back from that appendectomy, uh, it, it might might take a little bit longer for him. But yeah, I I think I think there's a good chance we might see this on Sunday. Yeah, and we should note that Skronsky is back on the practice field after having missed the uh, last three games with the appendectomy, and we'll see how he comes around this week. But but Denard Walker, John Glennon asked the question, so I'm going to ask it to you. Can Nicholas Petit-Frere be ready to play with one-week practice coming off a four-week suspension like that? Is that a big ask? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> four weeks is a long time. And uh, it depends on his conditioning. If he's mentally ready to go, and if you think he's physically ready to be out there, then, yeah, I think he gives you the best chance to going down and uh, to Indian and winning that game. Uh, but, John, John, I wanted to kind of piggyback on you about uh, Chris Hubbard because he has been solid this year. You're talking about he is the consummate pro. I mean, this is his 10th year. He's a veteran. He's been around. He played for the Steelers. And not to mention, I had a chance to read up on Hubbard today. And it was talking about he only surrendered six pressures in 141 pass blocks. And what was interesting, he was rated the 15th best tackle in the league. So that's that's pretty high. I mean, that's some doggone good remarks, David, and not to mention. So I would love to see. I thought Andre played well in the running game Sunday. They, they look good offensively. David, I know we was critical last week, but that offensive line showed out Sunday. I was I was quite proud of him. But again, if Nicholas gives you the better chance at winning Sunday, then I go with the big man. Yeah, it, it 
you know, Hubbard is Hubbard is interesting. It reminds me of when Kenny Vaccaro showed up a few years back. Remember, Jonathan Cyprian was the Titans' strong safety at the time, and the first or second day of training camp blows out his knee. He's lost for the year. And Kenny Vaccaro, a guy who was a first-round pick, had been in, been with New Orleans for five years, was sitting around there, you know, all summer, had hadn't gotten signed by anybody. The Titans Titans brought him in for one year, and and lo and behold, he ends up being a a really good player for them for several seasons. It's it's amazing to me how the NFL works that way sometimes that that guys who are who are proven players now Hubbard didn't have as much tread off his tires as Vaccaro did but you know he he's a he's a guy who has played in this league and had started games and uh, uh, you know was just sitting out there waiting for his opportunity and and he not only got an opportunity he he has run with it to the point that uh you know i know denard you talked about last week you know dillard's getting paid big money the expectation is that he's going to play but uh you know that might not be the uh that might not be the case right now and uh um you know dillard has been a better run blocker than a pass blocker all season, but you certainly you need the type of consistency that that he hasn't shown. And uh, you know, Petit Frere, I, I would think, is a guy who's going to have something to prove. I'm, I'm, you know, he 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 accepted the punishment, but uh, you know, I, and I'm sure he feels like he let this team down to a certain extent and uh and and he's he's going to want to he's going to want to make that up it, as quickly as possible so uh it, it, whether whether or not he's ready to play right now i think it's safe to assume he will do everything within his power to convince the coaches by the end of the week that uh that if they want to play him they can play him and he will uh he will make that offensive line better and there is uh there is room for improvement there along those lines uh injury lines again Traylon Burks still dealing with uh injury did not practice at all Wednesday but Kyle Phillips who is on IR but was uh was designated for return to practice uh was a full participant and and looks very much like a guy who who will be removed from IR by the end of the week and and will be in the lineup and and be that true slot receiver that the uh uh you know that the Titans drafted him to be so uh uh you know John Glennon we've seen DeAndre Hopkins I, I think there's no question he has he has been as good or certainly close to as good as the Titans would have wanted when they signed him Chris Moore's a guy making plays down the field in the passing game what does uh what does Kyle Phillips add it, with him getting back in there yeah I think Kyle Phillips adds something that is much needed right now and and that is the ability to kind of separate quickly uh to show that that quickness at the line of scrimmage you know you get those fast feet uh, you get some some pretty slick moves up there and and to me I think that's very important because as we know more often than not this year Ryan Tannehill has been under a lot of pressure. It was better, much better against Cincinnati for the most part. But still, for the most part, this line has improved itself as a a great protector of Tannehill. So when you're feeling that heat quicker and you're trying to get rid of that ball quicker, well, what better to have than a guy who can get open quickly? Uh, And that is kind of Kyle Phillips' strong suit. Um, 
you know, it, it struck me again today. This is not exactly breaking news, but that we've we've talked so much about Kyle Phillips over these last two years compared to how little he has actually played. Um, but you know that that opener, you know, you keep going back to that opener um, uh, of his of his rookie year. Six catches, sixty six yards in that game. You know, four punt returns for sixty two yards. Really looked like he could to be a factor, and then only thirty three more offensive snaps over a course of three games for the whole rest of his rookie year. Then there's the injury in the preseason game this year against Minnesota. So there's still so much of an unknown about Kyle Phillips, but there is that potential there. And and I, again, I go back to that first game because that was coming out of his first training camp with Ryan Tannehill, and clearly those two had had you know kind of forged a bond. Forged some chemistry right there, uh, and and looked like that was going to be a good combination for the rest of the year. So, if he can get back to that pretty quickly, and, and as I say, give the Titans a, a quick pass option, something that they don't really necessarily have right now. You know, I I think he could uh, he could make a nice uh, nice impact on the offense. Yeah, I was going to say those of us who were there for most or all of the 2022 training camp. I mean, it was obvious that that he and Ryan Tannehill got each other and they understood each other. And, and players on the defense were talking about. It. I remember Kevin Byard coming off the practice field one day saying, "Well, you know, Tannehill's got his red zone security blanket there in, in Kyle Phillips." I mean, it, it, it's it's not just that this guy was a draft pick and and you know you want all your draft picks to to come in and make an impact it was that uh it was that this guy looked like he he was ready from day one to make an impact and uh and got out of the gates good and then and, and then has had the injury re- problem since denard you know you you can speak to this that i i mean let's let's not let's not say he's there yet but you know there's there's been the west welkers of this world and and whatnot guys who uh got guys who can really make an offense go from that slot position how how valuable can a healthy kyle phillips be to this offense well you know what is it cal had what last season what eight reception what 78 yards that's not a lot uh, he's been in the system what two years now and it just seems like the last two years, he's just been on IR. It's been kind of consistent. He's a small guy, not very big, uh, but he's tough. He's elusive. I had a chance to kind of evaluate him in a game that I didn't really want to look at a few years ago when they played. When you see, when UCLA beat down LSU down in Westwood, and there was one player, David, that stood out, and that was Kyle Phillips. And UCLA did a great job at how they utilize him in the slot. LSU didn't, they didn't stand a chance. Those bigger defenders against that smaller receiver, he gave them nightmares. And I've had a chance in my career to uh, go against some smaller guys, and it's a long day. And what he brings is he brings that slot. You know, he brings that Will Swelker, the smaller guys in the slot, that if you get a big defender on him, especially in space, it's a nightmare. But the question for Kyle is, can he stay healthy, David? That's been an issue. And then not to mention special teams. That was his forte uh, coming uh, out of UCLA was his ability in the punt return game. David, he's a monster when he's healthy. But then he was on the field, what was that, a couple of years ago where he got his first chance 
to start at, at a month like what was it two punts? Yeah, but he I returned think, the first yeah. two weeks, Great. and then yeah. and then muffed one against the Giants, and and then one again the next week, and uh, yeah, things things kind of went south for him quickly after uh, after a really good training camp and and a good opener. But uh, yeah, there there has there to John's point, there has been this sense of. You know, this guy's out there. If they can just get him on the field and, and get him involved consistently, there's, it, it feels like, uh, it, it feels like there's a whole other level to this offense that, uh, that, that is just untapped at this point. And, and as I mentioned, you know, Chris Moore is, is becoming that downfield threat. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, is going to do what he does. Burks, uh, you know, Burks, we've, you know, we've seen the, we've seen the high moments. You, you, same sort of thing with him, some injury issues, but, uh, but you, you can see how the pieces will all fit together now if they can get them all healthy and, and going at this point. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, it leads us into this Sunday. I, I mentioned, Everybody's two and two in this division. The, the the division is very much up for grabs. The Colts were, you know, the, the Colts are a team that you, I think probably feels good about being two and two. I think Houston feels good about being two and two. I think Jacksonville probably feels pretty crappy about it, and, and you know, given given all the the preseason expectations are around them, and uh, you know, the the Titans, I, I think they'll take it. They're, they're probably not real happy about it, but. Uh, but but given the way they've responded to losses, you go okay. You know, we'll we'll take this situation right now and and getting uh, getting started with the division race. Uh, John, it, they've got to deal with uh they've got to deal with you. You mentioned talking about the Bengals. Joe Burrow was is hurting. He's got the calf injury. Was not a guy who moved around well. Defense got to him a bunch. That's not going to be the case Sunday with Anthony Richardson. This is a guy who's going to be much harder to get to the ground. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, just a a frightening uh, kind of guy to go up against in terms of of his uh, skills. Um, you know, you're looking at a guy who's six four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and ran a four four three uh, at the at the NFL Combine. Oh, and he also has a cannon of an arm uh, as well. Um, all kinds of, of great physical attributes for for Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, I thought Arden Key brought up, brought up a good point today. Uh, he compared him, um, you know, to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson isn't quite the size of Anthony Richardson. I don't think you know really anybody is. Uh, um, but you know, Deshaun Watson is is a good sized guy uh, who is hard to get down. Uh, even when you when you pressure him, even when you get a, a, a you know hands on him. He is hard to bring to the to the turf, and we saw how often the Titans came close to getting Deshaun Watson, but could not bring him down either because he was too elusive or, or too physical and, and broke tackles. Um, and that's going to be a key, you know, being able to rush him and, and not only pressure him, but being able to take Anthony Richardson down uh, is, is going to be a key. Um, you know, now is passing, you know, is something that's still a work in progress. Um, you know, I think he's 41 for 72 so far in the three games that he's played, like a 57% completion rate, which is kind of so-so. Um, three TDs, one interceptions, and an 85 quarterback rating. So good, but 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 not great. I, I think, you know, you really have to be more concerned 
uh, about what he could do to you on on the ground at this point in his career. You know, make him be be a passer if possible. Keep him in the pocket. Make him have to throw downfield to beat you because already in in just four or in three games again that he's played so far, he's already got four rushing touchdowns. Um, he's rushed for eight first downs as well. He's averaging like six yards a carry. So that to me, and and especially in the red zone too, is where he has been uh, the most effective, and and he's the most scary to what uh, defenses. If the if the Titans can keep him throwing passes, and if they can take him down when they get to him, you know, then then they they're going to do a pretty decent job of of limiting Anthony Richardson. I think. Denard, is it is it safe to assume? that the Titans will play a lot of zone defense on Sunday so that defenders do have their eyes on Anthony Richardson. They're not turning their backs and, and running downfield and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, trying to, trying to keep him, keep him bottled up to a certain extent. And if so, is this a secondary that from what you've seen does well in zone defense? An excellent job Sunday. They did uh, the Titans secondary did an excellent uh, job Sunday. Uh, Joe Burrow, I mean, they made his day miserable, and that's what you want to do against a, a quarterback like Anthony Richardson. As Tennessee a few years ago, and so what you want to do when you have a six four, like John said, two hundred and thirty pound physical specimen runs a four four three, a guy who came out in pregame uh, last year at Florida and did a backflip. Uh, and warm-ups, that's a grown man, and that's absolutely scary. And when I had a chance uh, to kind of break him down, David, I was kind of shocked that he went before, uh, went so high, uh, to be honest with you, because I didn't think he put up great numbers at Florida as far as when you're talking about throwing the football. Now, running the football, he's a monster. But listen, when you think about the Colts and you look at this team, and I went back and looked at him against Jacksonville, David, you know who the offensive coordinator is? Uh, Jim, Bob, Jim Bob Cooter. And okay. you know who the head coach is, right? Shane Stockton comes over right. from Philly. So he worked with Jalen Hurts. Got so it. you think about it, you see a lot of similarities uh, between Hurts uh, and Richardson. I mean, Jalen Hurts is not that big. And Deshaun Watson. So what does the young quarterbacks they do? What does an offensive coordinator want to do when you have a young quarterback? They want to get the ball out quick. So when you watch a lot of those throws, everything is like five yards, David, 10 yards here, and then they would have a lot of design runs. So if you're Tennessee this week, you want to maybe do not uh, pressure, especially the guy that's going to take off. So what you want to do is read your keys because they're going to see a lot of zone reads this weekend. I was going to say this is, and this is a, uh, this, you, you just sort of touched on it. This is one where you sort of, you you sort of pulling the reins on the pass rushers a little bit. You don't you you tell them, especially the edge guys, don't go way upfield. Up. You know you you've got you've got to you've got to hold your ground. Don't create lanes for him to run and uh, and make him stand there and try and and beat zone. And the good the good news for the Titans in that scenario is you've got guys like Jeff Simmons and Danico Autry and Arden Key and Harold Landry who can beat people one on one. You don't have to send extra rushers uh theoretically uh you, i and i i would i would assume 
I mean, I haven't really looked at what the numbers are the first four games, but if I'm a, if I were betting on it, I would bet we're going to see fewer blitzes from the, uh, from the Titans defense this week than we have seen in the first four games. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to, they're going to just try and they're going to tell them, we want you standing in the pocket. If you can beat our coverage, fine, you know, congratulations to you, but this is, but we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you beat us with your feet because he, he certainly can, uh, can do some things with, with, uh, with his feet, but, but, you know, he, he did miss a game already earlier this season with a concussion too. And I think if, uh, if, if somebody gets a shot at him, I'm, I'm not saying that, I mean, you know, Denard, you're not trying to hurt somebody, but, you you want to you want to hit him good and hard and and who knows what uh you know what what'll happen there how, you know how prone he is to uh to another one at this point but uh it's don't it's try to, uh, don't try to take it back now you sound just like Greg Williams don't try to take that back yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of also yeah I think uh, both players just put a bounty yeah. on it didn't yeah <laughs> 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 but you know, I mean, it's look, look, Mike. You know, Mike Rabel's. The, you know, he says it all the time. It's a violent game, and uh, and, and I and I think you know, I, I just I think of it this way. You know, if a guy like Jeffrey Simmons has been told all game, you know, just hold up, don't go too aggressively, don't go too aggressively, and then all of a sudden, you know, you beat your guy clean off the snap, and you've got you you you're. I mean, you're just gonna, you're just gonna, you're just gonna unload on the guy. I think that's, I think that's natural. That's, that's what football is. But uh, it, it's a really, it, it's an important game for the Titans in terms of the division too, because as I mentioned, they're the only ones who have not in this division who have not played one of the other three yet. And this, you know, this is only one of the next. This is the only one of their next five games that is going to be against the division. The bulk of Tennessee's division games come at the end of the season. They play uh, they play four of their last six. Whereas uh, you know Houston Houston has another Houston actually at one and one doesn't have another game in the division till late in November. But Indianapolis, their next two. I mean they this is this is a this is a really big time for them. They can they can set themselves up for uh, tiebreaker advantage. And and Jacksonville sort of has the best the best disbursement i guess of their division games remaining they've got uh they've got one this month two in november and then and then one in january so uh uh this is this is going to be the the titans first and and really the their almost the, the only taste of division play they get i guess i guess you could say that's a good thing because it gives them more time to to solve their issues before they uh, they they play these games that that count so much. Uh, uh, John, we we said early on two losses on the road this year, two subpar performances on the road. Going back on the road now is uh, why should uh, why should Titans fans feel things are going to go differently this time? I guess. Uh, well, you know, I, I think certainly we just talked about it. They're, they're going against a, a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback who is immensely talented. Uh, but still, you know, when you're in your in your first season, you're you're learning a lot of things and and you're going through different experiences. And you know, Mike Vrabel is is a pretty good defensive mind. Shane Bowen is as well. Um, I, I think they'll probably. Uh, you know, craft some pretty good uh, uh, things to you know to to kind of contain Anthony Richardson, and it, and it probably helps 
Uh, you know, as as uh, Denard mentioned, you know, the, the Titans played the Eagles last year. Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator and is now the head coach there. Uh, so obviously they didn't do very well against the Eagles, but they might have at least seen some things, you know, that, that Shane Steichen likes to do, likes to bring to the table and, and likes to do with it with a with his type of quarterbacks. But Shane Steichen uh, won't have A.J. Brown in his passing game for this one. Uh, there, there is that. <laughs> there, there, there is that also, yes. Um, but, you know, uh, I, it's it's funny, you know, we, we kind of – we keep going week to week, and I'm not sure uh, we've, we've predicted I'm, – I'm not sure if, if I've predicted the Titans correctly yet uh, in, in any of the games this week because you keep thinking they're either better or, or worse than they actually are, but – I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a, with a positive here. I'm gonna say I think they can uh, cup uh, this first road W. I think they're gonna uh, be able to uh, to keep the Colts contained. And I don't think the Colts defense is is as ferocious as like a, a Cleveland or even in, like a New Orleans either. So I think the Titans will be able to uh, you know have have a little bit of time to throw, open some holes as well. Uh, I think the Titans are gonna gonna get a, an AFC South win this weekend. Denard, you did correctly predict the Titans to uh, to beat the Chargers, as I recall. Um, you you feel good about this week? Uh, you feeling like uh, they're they're going to reverse the trend on the road finally? I do, I do for one reason, and that's the quarterback position. When I think of Anthony Richardson, he's just twenty one years old, David. He's twenty one. He's the third youngest quarterback to start an NFL game, and you just don't see. Uh, this offense right now they don't look explosive and not to mention you got a disgruntled Jonathan Taylor I mean we haven't even talked about him will he be a participant Sunday I mean questions yeah no so right now there's a lot of holes in this team I think this is a uh, game that Tennessee needs to get because remember it's a division game and a division game counts twice yeah Uh, and you, you make a great point about Jonathan Taylor he potentially could play um which which would certainly help a young quarterback, I think. But you're talking about an an unhappy guy and and a bad situation. It seems like it would it would take a a lot to get him on the field. But uh, you know, I'm I'm going to be that guy. And and I, I you know, gambler's logic is you don't bet on a streak to end. So with a uh, with a couple of road losses here, I'm going to say this team is not ready to win on the road yet, but uh, it'll be much more like New Orleans than it will be Cleveland. I don't think I don't think they're going to go to Indianapolis and get blown out, but uh, just feels to me like Richardson is is the guy who's going to be the X factor, and he's going to do something crazy that's uh, that, that's gonna that's gonna beat the Titans, but. You know, to John's point, I, I'm not sure I've gotten it right at all again either this year. So we'll see, and uh, and we will discuss it again next week. Until then, Denard Walker, good night, sir. Good night, David. John Glennon, good night. Good night, guys. And I am David Beauclair again, and uh, thank you all for listening to Believe in Titans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.